Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Good morning, everybody, and welcome. Good to see you all. Yeah, so I thought it'd be fun today to talk a little bit about perspective and how we see things. Um, I was reminded of a of a story when I when I saw everyone, you know, jumping on the call today. You know, I was just so grateful, just gr- so grateful to see you, and um, it's a really funny, funny story. Uh, I've been able to ride. You know, I do some dirt bike riding, motorcycle riding, and able to ride the last couple of weeks in in the in the high desert and it's been just breathtaking you know just beauty because it's been snowing in the high desert and so um yeah right riding up there has just been gorgeous and i was able to ride with this young guy who's one of the top racers in the country and actually i think he's the 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 reigning champion right now in his discipline, he races something called speedway, speedway racing. And he's actually been invited to go race in, in Europe. So I was riding with a bunch of guys and, and he was there too. He's like 20 years old. And every time we would stop, you know, we just stop and these big picturesque, you know, mountaintops and this and that, he would just like scream, like, I love life. <laughs> he's just like, I love life. And, you know, we'd all be busting up um, laughing, but it was just, it was, I could feel, I could feel his energy of that. You know, I love, I love life. And um, yeah, jumping on the call today when I, when I saw everyone coming on and I had that same feeling of just, oh, I love this. It's so awesome. You know, so grateful. Um, And that ties into what we're chatting about today about perspective, you know how we how we see things um so a few weeks ago i spoke about uh, how phenomena arise in the mind and we spoke to something called you know the, it's kind of a tibetan term mind replicas you know that when we see phenomena um externally that phenomena arises in the mind, and then you know instantaneously the mind will impute um, a bunch of stuff on top on top of that something, and it'll filter. It'll use filters to kind of filter in past experience with this object, judgments, you know, beliefs, concepts, things like this. And so we're really not seeing the object for what it is, but we're seeing that mind replica. Of, of that something. So we, we spoke to that and I want to dive a little bit deeper um, into the, the filters, like those, those filters themselves, like how we filter those objects because we don't go from, most of the time, we're not going from seeing things one way and then moving into noticing the empty nature of that that's something. Um, 
we don't see emptiness like this for the most part. We see the obstacles uh, to emptiness. So we actually notice those, those filters. Those are much more present, obviously. And to, to see beyond them, we simply need to see them. And so this is in, in, a, in one way, ex, you know, extremely obvious. And we know we have these filters um, in, in uh, you know, how we look at all things in our lives. But just like when we look at the hindrances and things like this, we just want to be awake and aware and, vit and uh, so have some vigilance uh, when we're looking for them. So I wanna dive a little bit deeper into, into the filters. And one of my motivations for giving the talk is I was reading some um, Ajahn Sumedho and he spoke to an instance. He, he was a monk and he was in Thailand and he was given the task to um, sweep the path He's out there sweeping the path, and as it gets in Thailand, it was super hot, got a miserable hot, and he noticed some like critical, you know, the suffering mind coming up that you know, it was too hot, he was sweating. And he's like, I, I came here to be enlightened and here I am sweeping a path, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, even down to his broom was all messed up. <laughs> it wasn't even a good broom to do the job. And so he's just sitting there um, suffering and Ajahn Chah and his teacher comes up and says, you know, in, in this place here in Thailand, there are a lot of opportunities for suffering you know, to arise, isn't there? So he kind of like read his mind, you know, <laughs> maybe you could see the suffering on his face, you know, like, oh, this guy's really suffering, you know? And so Ajahn Sumedho started to, just to look at that, say, oh, like, why did he say that? And, he started to view his, his situation differently. He's like, okay, you know, sweeping in and of itself is not so bad. Sweating in and of itself, not so bad. Being here in this, in this place, you know, I'm, I have, there's a lot of good here too. It's not so bad. And then he said that he gained insight in that, in that moment and from that situation, he gained insight that, that there is this voice, you know, there is this filter, if you will, he didn't use that word, but of just the mind that is critical. And he thought of just a few days before, there are visiting monks and they had some strong opinions about the monastery and he had strong opinions to that. And so he saw that that mind come up again. And so he noticed, he said he, he had insight into that. This critical mind, you know, runs a lot, you know, has, has a lot to say uh, about a lot of different things. And I think it's just, it's, 
you know, someone profound of someone like him who looks at his mind, he's a monk and meditating and, and all of this. And, and it takes these situations like outside or off the cushion, I should say, and, and you know, self-awareness and all these different situations, you know, to get this insight. And it's a really powerful insight, of course. And I had a, a similar insight uh, last couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago, maybe. And I saw for the first time, and I've done, I've done this for, you know, 20 something years, you know, my whole life, I don't know, but I didn't get insight until recently that I saw that I was self-sabotaging when I moved outside of my comfort zone. So there was a situation that was moving out outside of my comfort zone. And I was thinking of like sabotaging some situation of a kind of moving away from it, you know, and blaming other factors. I'm going to blame some other factors, some other things are happening, and I'm going to move away from that. That's what I thought. I thought I was blaming some other things. And then upon reflection, I was like, yeah, you know, I don't think that's a situation at all. I think I'm just scared to, to, to do that other thing. And then I noticed I've done this repeatedly, tons of times. You know, I just, it just kind of, I just kind of woke up to that. And upon that reflection of, wow, I've done this a lot. I started pointing it back to my practice and moving outside of our comfort zone, for example, it's such an important piece of our practice in, in a way that's kind of all that we're doing, especially when it comes to surrendering to you know, this, surrendering to this grasping mind that really wants to control things in a certain way and, and it wants things to be a certain way and we want to believe certain things and certain concepts and all this stuff. There's so much in the process of letting go that forces us beyond our comfort zone. So I sort of reflect on how is this affecting my personal practice? And how are these filters affecting my personal practice overall? And of course they are a lot. So I think this is something that's, that's interesting to look at. Like um, the, the hindrance, for example, we have the hindrances, hindrances come up to external things, but that how they arise in our practice is something that we need to look at carefully. Desire, for example, like that seeking, craving, grasping, the desire mind. <clears throat> if we come into the practice with, with desire mind, like we're thinking we're going to gain and, and further ourselves in some way, of course, this is a big obstacle. Uh, 
to actually seeing our true nature. Um, and again, <clears throat> when we speak of things like uh, emptiness or true nature, it's really the negation of something, the negation of the obstacles in the way, the negation of the hindrances allow for the seven factors of awakening to arise, the positive. So it's a negation of these uh, more negative mindset uh, states that allow for the natural arising of the positive mind states to, to be seen, that they're already present. Aversion, the hindrance of aversion, that's a huge filter, you know, um, Ajahn Sumedha was, was speaking to his, the hindrance of aversion. He had aversion to sweeping, aversion to heat, aversion to sweating, um, you know, aversion. He'd mentioned he's a fair-skinned person in the hot sun. He was worried about getting skin cancer. And you know, so all of these, these worries, which is another hindrance came up. And so there's a lot of aversion in, in our practice that we have to meet in our practice. This, this aversion could very easily seep into the practice itself, right? And we're meeting that aversion, the aversion to, to sitting, you know, the aversion of commitment um, that we can see in other parts of our lives. We have to make a strong commitment to practice, the aversion to possibly failing at a commitment, things like this. And then, of course, when we look at the hindrance of doubt, you know, if we if we look at um, you know the, this 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 filter of doubt that might come up, if we might meet a lot of situations, and we notice that that doubt is arising, this could seep into our practice as well you know, doubting, doubting ourselves and doubting the practice. One thing that's interesting is that, um, you know, in, in meditation, like meditation in a way can even hinder our ability to see the filters if we're not careful. Because in, in meditation, we can transcend them on a temporary basis. And there, there is a possibility that we could think that we've just, you know, transcended them. Um, but in, in meditation, that does not become necessarily our default. You know, our default is not this, this tranquility or equanimity we might find in, in the deeper states of practice. And so when we go out and, and meet the world, um, again, we have to pay uh, keen attention to what am I adding to this moment? You know, what am I seeing here? Am I seeing clearly that the situation or is this situation being filtered through something like fear or doubt or aversion or attachment? Like what exactly is here? And not resting so much in um, we're not thinking that we have to pay attention so much just because we felt uh, the peaceful states in, in our meditation practice. 
you know, obviously if our awareness and our self-awareness is carried, uh, we carry that throughout um, all these situations, um, then we're going to be awake to, you know, the antidotes um, as well. So yeah, so just drawing attention to this, obviously this falls uh, in the category of, of um, you know, minding the mind. Those are four foundations of, of mindfulness, minding the mind and the characteristics of the mind. And I'll just read one of the, tra tra the traditionals from, from, I'll just read from the Satipatthana Sutta. And, you know, I just love the, the detailed nature. This is Buddha speaking um, to the hindrances and in, in just great detail of how Buddha is suggesting we look at the hindrances. Um, and so I'll just, I'll just read it here. If desire is present in her, she knows there is desire in me. If desire is not present in her, she knows there is no desire in me. And she knows how unarisen desire can arise, how arisen desire can be removed, and how a future arising of the removed desire can be prevented. If aversion is present in her, she knows. If sloth and torpor is present in her, she knows. If restlessness and worry is present in her, she knows. If doubt is present in her, she knows. She knows there is doubt in me. If doubt is not present in her, she knows there is no doubt in me. And she knows how unarisen doubt can arise, how arisen doubt can be removed, and how a future arising of the removed doubt can be prevented. I'm just gonna read that last line again. And she knows how unarisen doubt can arise how arisen doubt can be removed and how a future arising of the removed doubt can be prevented. There's so much in that one, <laughs> there's so much. And how unarisen doubt can arise. So the causes and conditions, when we look at the hindrances as the seven factors, the positive or the negative mind states, using applied mindfulness, we could look and say, what were the causes and conditions that set this up? You know, how did this come to be, this suffering moment? What happened, what was the underlying basis for this to arise? What was that? And we start to, to, to learn, what is that? We could also apply antidotes, but we apply the antidotes by purely just seeing. If we see how things arose, we have innate compassion for ourselves. We could say, oh, you know, next time, I probably don't wanna do, do that, right? 
how arisen doubt can be removed. How can it be removed? Awareness, compassion, kindness, insight, wisdom, prajna of this thing's already on the way out. How can it be removed? It's already, it's already leaving upon arising. That's how it can be removed by non-grasping mind, non-attachment. And how a future arising of the removed doubt can be prevented. Sila, ethics, you know, the, the morality, um, and also to consistent awareness, consistent compassion, you know, all of all of these things. Um, yeah, just vigilance, vig vigilance of mindfulness, the cultivation of the of the wholesome, letting go of the unwholesome, right? All of these things. So allowing the mind to stay in an unbiased state, um, and I like to call it a non-state. You know, like just this pure open awareness. It's a it's a non-state. Uh, so I thought I'd let this go into breakout rooms a little earlier today because I thought it might be nice for us if we care to share with each other. Um, some of our own filters and we can be super general. I, don't, I know this might be a touchy thing, but um, any filters that you see arise, you can be just very general and of course, only share what you would like to share. Um, and also too, I just wanna emphasize or reemphasize mindful listening when we move into uh, the breakout rooms, uh, small groups, big groups, uh, that we always create a safe environment for one another. We stay with the pronoun I um, that we don't wish to. Um, yeah, tell somebody what they should do or shouldn't do, th things like that, um, just to make sure that we just mindfully listen openly to each other um, and then just share our own personal experience. Uh, be fantastic. So yeah, that would break us into some breakout rooms and and maybe speak to to any filters that come up for you and hopefully we can we can come back to the larger group and and learn from one another um, how to see more clearly. <laughs> Welcome back everybody. Hope you had enough time to chat. I think I always use more, but also wanted to leave plenty of time for us to collectively chat about some stuff in a larger group. Um, yeah, so in, does anyone want to continue on with what was coming up for them but to the larger group? I have a question. Um, we, we were talking about filters, and then we, we kind of looked at some other um, comparisons like a filter versus a judgment or is a judgment a filter or versus a belief and a, how, how would you define that? Yeah, I, I would say, I'm just, I'm using filter here very loosely. I would say all those things create the filter. Yeah, all of those things create, uh, 
the filters that we put on things. Yeah. What was the phrase again? Mind project, mind con, mind projection, mind construct, mind replica, mind replica. Yeah. yeah. Uh, excellent topic. Excellent talk. As always, thank you. Um, thank I you. just one of the things that you said really struck me because I did a week long sit at my house, uh, unstructured, uh, it wasn't on Zoom or anything like that. And I think your house provides the ultimate opportunity to intensify your chance of suffering. <laughs> you, you fill your house with everything you're attached to and then you do a sit where you can't interact with any of those things. Okay, uh, <laughs> I wanna talk to my friends and family on the phone. I wanna turn the TV on, I wanna be on my computer. You know, everything that you're attached to is right here. Uh, oh, the football game, I recorded it. I can't watch it, uh, you know. So it was a real intensifier for me. And, you know, I've done week-long sits. I've done month, not month-long, uh, like 10-day sits. But I never really suffered uh, during the sits. And I actually got a chance to taste some doubt on, like, day four. And so mm -hmm. I thought that... Uh, if you ever want to intensify your your uh, your sitting, uh, that might be a way to do it. Uh, and then one other thing, one thing I learned on day three, um, it was about nine o'clock, and I said to myself, "Why are you eating? You're not hungry. Why don't you wait until you're hungry before you eat?" And so, of course, on that day, I had breakfast at about eleven thirty. I said, "Well, why don't you wait until you're hungry before you have lunch?" Okay, I didn't have lunch until five in the afternoon. So I've been battling, trying to keep my weight under control my entire life. It's yo-yoed up and down. And now I realize I just force feed myself because I think it's breakfast time, lunch time, or dinner time. And I've read all these studies on intermittent fasting and on uh, calorie uh, restriction and how it increases longevity. Uh, it, they've done studies from fruit flies, nematodes, mice, rats, uh, rabbits, rhesus monkeys, uh, it can increase your longevity anywhere from 40 to 60%. Uh, they did a study on rhesus monkeys, the average uh, life expectancy was like 26 years. And then if they reduced their calorie intake, they lived it to be 40. Um, so, and then there's a ton of health benefits. You're less likely to get Alzheimer's, Parkinson's. It, there's all kinds of uh, healthful benefits because this whole eating three days a week is, is something uh, that is a new phenomenon. Um, you know, well, you eat before you go to work you, or, or before you go to school, and then you get a break and you eat lunch, and then you eat after work. But you're not eating because you're hungry. You know, and our body is very intelligent. Uh, you know, it's, it's exchanging oxygen for CO2. Our blood is circulating, nerves are firing, muscles are doing, you know, your body is doing a trillion different things Cells are being born and dying, but we feel like we got to jump in there and, and control when we eat. And we're not even hungry, you know? So a week after this, I found that I've been able to continue with, with this pattern of just eating when I'm hungry. You know, I'll take a shake with me in the morning, put it in a little cooler so I don't have this fear that somehow I'm going to be hungry. Uh, and I'm eating a lot less calories. During this week of just sitting on my butt mostly, I lost seven pounds. And I'm saying to myself, I've been fighting my weight. I, in order to get down to my ideal weight, I used to have to, to do aerobics for two hours a day. And then, of course, I would get sick of that. 
And so my weight would slowly creep back up. And then I'd do this, this, you know, Herculean effort to get my weight under control. And all I'm doing is force feeding myself uh, three times a day. So anyway, great opportunity for suffering, meditating at home. <laughs> Thank you so much for the talk, Casey. Hi, everybody. Um, I, when filter comes to mind, you know, it seems like a thin, a thin thing through which you're still doing everything that you're doing, but there's just a sort of, you know, little bit. And I think that a filter for me or sort of like a, a, a category of different filters is grasping for certainty in whatever is happening. I want it to meet with my expectation of things. I want it to validate my understanding of the world. I want it to meet my worldview. I don't like surprises. I don't like feeling like I don't know. Um, so I think I have this thin, a very thin filter that's very hard to notice of um, wanting comfort. I think we all do, but you know, wanting confirmation. Um, and that may be one, maybe one filter, it may be a lot of different filters, but that's what came up for me. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, something that I find interesting um, with some of the like mind filters that I had mentioned with the group is um, how sometimes how unrealistic it is. Um, we have these like filters or these habits that we look through, whatever it may be. And, and but, you know, it's not realistic, but for some reason, it's still kind of there. I don't know, these expectations, whatever they may be, um, you know, condition, phenomena, how, however it may be. I just I've been finding that is very interesting. Um, and then to work with that, too, because you definitely have to go back deeper. What established that is so real. But finding that. Um, that is very interesting because then, because then you're, because then you really see where your mind's at within reality, not, you know, of what is, what is. Um, so that's been very interesting for me regarding that kind of uh, work in this kind of, um, pro in, in this mind, <laughs> this mind. <laughs> Hi, uh, hello hey. everyone. Yeah. Uh, I was just observing uh, like the previous conversation with Bob and Kate. So how like Kate was saying about like how we cling to certainty and how we, uh, Bob is also saying like how we are like, you know, cling to expectations. So I, uh, I read somewhere, I don't remember, but it was like a, I used that technique myself is like, it's a saying, it's just like we are spiritual being having human experience. And uh, that kind of like, you know, gives us a like a distance from these all of these uh, feelings which we are having. And that's when we question like, why do I want to like, you know, have this certainty or like, oh, why do I, what is this expectation telling me of myself? And so, yeah, that uh, technique, I sometimes use it. Sometimes I pass, sometimes I fail, but yeah, <laughs> I, I try to use that. <laughs> yeah. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, should I share? Yeah, please do. May, all right. Okay. May as well. <laughs> um, so what came up for me um, was uh, I have the aversions and 
hindrances that came up for me had a lot to do with um, pain and aversion to pain. Um, I have uh, a number of uh, painful health conditions, um, genetic health conditions. Um, so I just have like kind of like a, a constant baseline of a particular pain level. Um, and a lot of times the aversion to pain itself interferes with my progress, like in physical therapy and things, you know, because I, I think to myself, I, I can't stand to be in any more pain than I am right now. Um, so I'm going to keep resting. Um, and I can't, I can't like, maybe I feel like my only joy is like some, some good food to eat. So I'm not staying on the diet that my doctor is asking of me. Um, and so, yeah, those, those kinds of things have become obstacles in my life and kind of promoted a, a certain level of, of suffering that's probably not necessary. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I do want to point out, um, your amazing self-awareness of all that, you know, when we have self-awareness to those filters and whatnot, then we definitely uh, can apply uh, certain antidotes for that. And even just that awareness is so much expansiveness in, in that awareness. And we have, um, you know, the pain and the awareness of the pain and so, yeah, just remember to congratulate yourself for things like this as well, you know, as you go along. Thank you. And um, Wendy told me about a uh, class at Insight LA on chronic pain. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Be wonderful. Yeah, for sure. Thanks again. Yeah, we have time, I think, for one more. Well, sure. Yeah, I think um, so in our breakout group, we had started to kind of get into a topic which I kind of thought was interesting, which is kind of as we become more mindful, and I've experienced this a little bit myself, of can we recognize when we're bumping up against one of our own edges? And while we're there and feeling the discomfort, give ourselves compassion. And one example for me is speaking in front of a group. Like in some ways, my body is always going to have a reaction, like my heart's beating right now. It's like it's always going to be there, probably. And so it's an edge. And... I've also had the experience of blowing through one of my edges and challenging myself and watching that unwind itself on the other side where I end up, you know, overindulging or going for comfort or withdrawing for a while or yeah. So it, yeah, it's just interesting 
the times that I've been able to re recognize how I I'm on it I'm on an edge right now. Mm. I can feel that in my body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. And then um... I was um, just a brief comment about um, in relation to what Emily and Don were saying is for me, sometimes I can um, get, find myself kind of stuck at the point of where I, I could be attuned to suffering and what my experiences are, whether in my body or my mind or my perceptions. And I'm often having to remind myself how I meet that experience and my relationship to that experience, whether it's self-doubt or fear or shame or whatever the experience is and, and having to remind myself to meet it with empathy and compassion and um, well-being for myself in those circumstances. So it's just a thought that um, I wanted to share. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for a great for a great talk today, Casey, and to everyone for sharing. Um, you know, the one thing that helps me with all of with all of the hindrances, and I get them all, <laughs> <laughs> depending on the moment. Uh, you know, it's just you know, it's kind of what Saif was saying that you know, and frankly, it's what the from the, the excerpt from the Satipatthana reminded me that is that these things just arise when conditions are present, and you know, and seeing them and usually is enough sort of kind of break the spell in some ways but when they're there it's just conditions that are present and those conditions will change and they'll go away it's nothing that you are doing wrong or not even really you it's just it's just phenomena you know and that anything that you know as of the nature to come as the nature to pass away it's like all of those things so just that has been such a such a relief to me. Even when I'm in the midst of aversion or desire or in its thrall, it's, you can see it, but it's not me. It's just what's there and what's present. And that in itself sort of helps a great deal and you know, makes it a little bit, in some cases helps me to laugh or at least just to, and that's what that then also gives room for compassion or other things or certainly just doesn't feed it. So anyway, that just, uh, you know, Thanks for the opportunity to remember that today. Sure, thank you so much. Okay, so we're just a couple minutes over, but let's just dedicate the merit. So um, yeah, just allowing your eyes to close for a moment. I'm kind of coming full circle with gratitude that we're able to sit together today. And all of the wisdom and love and compassion and insight that was generated, maybe we, may we send this out to all beings. May all beings be happy. May all beings be free from suffering.
You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.